listening to the weekly podcast presented by the Lighthouse Midlothian. For more information, please visit us at www.dfwlighthouse.org. Thank you and God bless. think first and second chronicles was so interesting all right so here's the test part first and second chronicles was really what one book isn't that fascinating in the hebrew scriptures where was the where were the chronicles found at the end okay kind of like genesis exodus Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy sums up the whole law. Okay, so this was a summary. Third question on the test. David was a what kind of king? Messianic. Very good. Give yourselves a hand. You get 100%. All right. You can get free coffee after as your prize. All right. Or water, whatever your choice is. All right, let's pray, and then I have just a few thoughts to share today. Thank you, Lord, for your presence today. We just thank you for being with us, that your name is Emmanuel, God with us. Lord, we believe in you. We believe that you have a plan and a path for us to follow. Lord, you have a plan and a path for us to follow even this morning as we gather today in your name. So, Lord, bless your word. Bless your people. Lord, we receive every good thing that you're pouring out right now. Let us be positioned to be blessed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, there is a reason I showed that video, not just because it was cool and fun and had little artwork that was in fast motion. I mean, that was all great. But we're reading through the Bible in a chronological order. And if you're reading through... We're to that point where First and Second Kings is overlapping with First and Second Chronicles, so you will read portions of each along with a few psalms thrown in, and it makes it, to me, very, very interesting. I am a Bible nerd. Aren't you glad that your pastor is a Bible nerd? All right. I just love the Word of God. I love it because there's life, and there's breath, and there's hope, but there's also interesting things. And there's history. Not everyone appreciates or likes history. I like history. Yeah. And, and, and there's, in the Bible, there's, there's stimulation intellectually. We're supposed to love the Lord with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Okay, mind is mentioned in there. Sometimes we got to turn off our brain, but sometimes we got to turn it back on. And we're supposed to be renewing our mind. How do we renew our mind but with the word of God? And so the word has many, 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 many benefits. Jesus Christ came as the word in flesh. And we as his children, as Christians, we are to be the word in flesh together as the church. It's not any one man. It's not any one woman. It is us collectively. It's not any one church It's the church internationally. We are to represent him. 
How can we represent that which we know very little about? We find out about it through reading and through personal experience, through knowing the faithfulness of God day in and day out. He's so good. All right. So the facts are important, folks. You need to know them. You find that out by reading, by studying, and by living it out. All right. So we're in First and Second Chronicles in our Bible reading, if you are following along. If not, this will still be very inspirational. My hope today is that you will gain something in your spirit, not just intellectually, but also in your spirit. So a verse I picked out to kind of springboard into our message today is from Second Chronicles, the seventh chapter. And this is a key and a pivotal verse in the entire Old Testament. When Solomon finished praying, they're dedicating this building called the temple. If you followed along with us, God moved with his people in the wilderness in a tent, in a tabernacle. He gave specific instructions on where his presence was to be found. And he was literally in the center of the camp. They camped all around his presence. And you had the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud, and it led the people. When they got to the promised land, this tabernacle kind of fell into disrepair. It was no longer such a focal point. And if you'll notice, the people got into a lot of trouble because it was no longer the focal point. There's a huge lesson right there. When God's presence is no longer the focal point in our lives, we find ourselves going astray. And so David restored worship to his people, and he brought the box, the ark of the presence back into a focal point. He brought it back with much celebration and dancing, and that's where we get the uh, reference to the undignified worship. David was worshiping with all his might and jumping around and Some people had a problem with that, but God did not. And it's all about pleasing him, not pleasing people. And that was David's heart. It's, I'm going to please God no matter what. So he brought God's presence back to the center. And then God gave him plans to build a structure, to build a temple, which was going to be the focal point of the nation And the promise was, if this nation will make my presence a focal point, I will make this a focal point for the world. That was God's plan, is that Israel would so worship and so lift up the name of the Most High God that all the nations would come to Jerusalem. And if you want to skip forward to the end of the book... When God comes back and establishes his kingdom, his throne on earth, his very presence, what happens? All the nations come. God's heart has always been for all the nations. When the Spirit of God, and I'm getting ahead of myself here, when the Spirit of God fell in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, the nations were present and they heard the worship of the Lord coming out in their own languages. That's his heart. That's his heart. All right. So when Solomon finished praying, this is a dedication prayer of this 
fabulous temple that was built according to the plan. And it was, again, a focal point for the nation. When Solomon, who was David's son, finished praying, fire flashed down from heaven and burned up the burnt offerings and sacrifices. And there were quite a few, if you will read the story. It was no little piddly offering. This was massive. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glorious presence of the Lord filled it. It's literally the weight of God's presence was so strong they could not move. When all the people of Israel saw the fire coming down and the glorious presence of the Lord filling the temple, they fell face down on the ground and they worshiped the Lord saying, he is good, his faithful love endures forever. What a beautiful scene. And so we have here a pattern, a pattern of worship that we come before the king, we get in his glorious presence, we invite him, and his presence comes and fills us. Now, we do not live in that age, in that covenant. We are in the new covenant right now, and we do not have a central temple, which is the focal point of worship any longer. How did things change? Well, God sent his son. The word became flesh and blood, and he lived among us. He became the temple. He became Jesus when he was on earth during that time of ministry for three and a half years was the focal point of God's presence, his glory, and his power on earth. What an amazing time. And then he gave his life as a sacrifice. He told his followers to wait for his presence to come. You can find this in Acts chapter 1 and 2. And we're coming up on Pentecost Sunday here. So again, a little preview. He told them to wait. He said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Wait. How many enjoy waiting? (laughs) We're born with impatience. Yeah, you can't feed a baby fast enough, can you? They want to be fed. They want to be fed now. We want our coffee now. Yeah, I see a line at the drive-thru. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we are just really, really, really impatient and spoiled people, are we not? Let's just get real here, okay, in our culture. Okay, you did not have to plant the seed of that coffee bush. You did not have to cultivate it. You did not have to pick the beans. You did not have to roast the beans. You did not have to grind the beans. You just get to drink the beans. Okay. What a blessing. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to grow anything, you've got to have some patience. You put that seed in the ground... Run out there the next morning. No, you got to wait. 
And if you mess with it, what's going to happen? Nothing. Let's just see if the little roots are there. Yeah. You wait and you water. And then there's a harvest one day. So I honestly do not know why he had them waiting in that room for 10 days. I mean, I mean, some people think two hours is a long service time. All right. We have two hours. That's why you get five-minute fellowship. All right. Because we're about double the national average. (laughs) Wow. Man. I wish he'd hurry up. I'm getting tired of waiting. How many know that things that are worth it are worth waiting for? Holy Spirit said, I'm going to come, and I'm going to come in my own time, and you're not in charge. I am, which happens to be one of his names. I am, and he's the Lord of time. Ten days, ten hours, ten minutes, ten centuries. God's going to come when he's good and ready. And so they waited. And they waited. I don't think they had watches, but... (laughs) They waited. And when the Holy Spirit came, what came down? Fire. Fire. It was the fire filling the temple. The temple. Now, the temple is this. Look around. Look around. Look around. Think of Solomon's temple in all its glory. It was not as glorious as this this right here. It was less glorious than the assembly of God's people. Because you are the most beautiful thing on earth. You are. You just think that when you look in the mirror tomorrow morning. (laughs) I am the most beautiful thing on earth. In God's eyes, not in your own. Yeah? In God's eyes. Because you know your children are the most beautiful things on earth. My kids are old now. But I got grandkids, and they are the most beautiful things on earth. Woo! Can't get enough of them. Their pictures are all over my house. Their pictures are on my phone. Their pictures are in my computer. But I'm not just satisfied with the picture. I got to see them up close. I got to touch them. I got to love them. I got to have them right there because they're beautiful. Everything about them is beautiful. And that's what God thinks about you. And that's what he thinks about me. That's why he wants you in his presence. It gives him such joy to have you there. Sin separated us. So he sent Jesus to bring us back together. He's got scars to prove it. Because we'd do anything. If our kid was trapped, think about those poor little boys in uh, Malaysia that were trapped in that cave. And how they literally, an international team came together to rescue them. And it was a miracle that no one was lost. 
Well, God staged an international, interplanetary, intergalactic, universal plan to bring us all back. That's his plan. And so he came and he said, I'm not only going to rescue you, I'm not only going to redeem you, but I'm going to fill you. Now, what did he fill us with? His marvelous presence, his Holy Spirit, because his presence is his passion and it's his purpose. And that's what he has for each one of us. He wants us to be passionate for him and for each other. And he wants us to fulfill his purpose on earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done. That should be our prayer every single day if we are indeed filled with his spirit. Because that's his agenda. And we got to get rid of our own agendas. And every day we got to crucify those agendas because we all got them. And we got to say, where you want me to go, Lord, take me to that place and so he came and he filled the temple his people gathered together in that place at that time but he didn't leave them in that room I love that they had to they had to spill out into the streets because the message is not just for us it is for everyone and we're to display that goodness to the world and it's a challenge And that's why we come together, is to remind ourselves of his goodness and his mercy. He is a merciful God. So 1 Corinthians 6, verses 19 and 20. Do you not know, Paul is saying to the church at Corinth, who needed to be reminded? Now, this is the thing about the church. We need to be reminded that we are his temple. Because I forget I forget in those lines of waiting and at the airport and at home sometimes and at church sometimes that I am his temple and I'm representing the glory of the most high God. Yeah? I represent the glory of the most high God. Wow. Wow, I forget. So they forgot at this church. We're in good company. You want to be a New Testament church? Read Corinth, all right? Corinthians, they were a New Testament church. They needed reminding. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Whoa. They are. That's what it says right here. Who is in you? Whom you have received from God? You are not your own. Hmm. You were bought at a price. That's the total package right there. We all want a ticket to heaven, don't we? We all want a ticket to blessing, don't we? We all want a ticket to the promises. But we don't realize how much that ticket cost. Yeah, it cost Jesus everything, but it's going to cost you a thing or two too. Right? It will cost you everything if you truly follow. It will cost you your choices. It will cost you your, your life. You're crucified with Jesus. That's the other half of the good news. <laughs> Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Jesus taught it. It wasn't popular. He had, you know, thousands of people one day, and then, wait, why not? I didn't sign up for this, you know? 
So I'm here to remind you, not only are you his temple, but you also were bought with a price, and therefore your life is his. And if you get serious about this thing, there may be some challenges. There just might be one or two. Okay, I just it's in the fine print. If you turn to the last page, clause 16b, subparagraph. In this world, you will have persecution. But be not afraid. I have overcome the world. So even in your worst hour, you're better off than someone without Jesus in their best hour. Because he's with you all the time. Not just every other Sunday when you're feeling like it. He's with you all the time on the good days and the bad days. Man, wow. I signed up for Behind the Walls. It's our prison ministry, we partner with Bill Glass and some of his wonderful staff members. And uh, signed up for this thing. And some of you who know me and my life know that the last three weeks has just been a little crazy. Okay, just a little tiny, tiny bit. You know, like... So I'm like, yeah, I signed up for this thing. It's Saturday. Uh... I didn't get a word not to go. (laughs) So I went. And Jim wanted to ride with me. And if Jim wants it, I want to make it happen. Because this man is amazing right there. Okay? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And weather forecast. Not real pretty. And get up at 4.45 for a 5.30 departure. And we get there, and we sit, and we wait, and we sit. And then they said, well, there's going to be an assembly for the inmates, but y'all probably can't go. Well, isn't that why we came? <laughs> so I get to pray. All right. Well, thankfully, this time they left pastor off my name tag, because last two times I had to really behave, because it said pastor on that name tag. <laughs> So I will let you know, though, I have Jim as my witness. I did behave. You, And Carrie was there, too. She was keeping a good eye on me. So, okay, Lord, we can pray from right here because you can touch those guys whether we're there or not. But we did come to share the good news with them. So they said, okay, <laughs> we're going to have the assembly. You cannot go in, but you can stand in the fence outside the yard and, and watch. I thought, okay, that's different, but whatever. <laughs> we're only we're behind the walls, but only kind of behind the walls. Okay. <laughs> On the other side of the fence behind the walls. So we're marching up there, and I've still got a good attitude. And they said, you can go into the yard. Last-minute decision. We got to go in there, and we, we heard the testimony, and we saw what was... And then they said groups one and three can go outside the yard. Groups two and four can stay here and pray with the guys. I was in group two. I got to share the gospel with four guys. Three of them had never heard before. Because a lot of times in those meetings, all the Christians come. And it's good to encourage the Christians behind the walls. They need encouragement. It's really good, but it's awesome to share the gospel with those who have never 
heard. What a privilege. And then we got to go in where they live. And honestly, it's, it's just a tiny bit scary in there because you're on their turf. <laughs> and some of them are watching movies. Some of them are playing chess. Some of them are sleeping. Some of them are just dazed and looking mean. And so my prayer is this. I am not my own. I am bought with a price. I am here by divine commission. Who do you want me to talk to, Lord? And the Lord showed me exactly who to go talk to. And I shared the gospel with him, and he prayed to receive the Lord into his heart. Praise God. So if my divine appointment was for that one guy that one day, that was worth all that crazy. Now, that was before we left. At 1230, the heavens opened, and we got drenched. And the drive back was another story. In this world, we have challenges, but God is with us. He's with us all the time. You are bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies, because you and I are his temple. Let's look at one last verse this morning. We're bringing the Old Covenant, Old Testament, into the present. Don't think you can skip the Old Covenant Oh, that's just all Old Covenant. Well, it's in the Bible for a reason. It paints a picture. It makes us appreciate God's dealings with man over the centuries. God's timeline. Romans 12.1. I know you've all heard this. You've quoted it. You might have it memorized. But again, we need to be reminded I need to be reminded every day. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. It says in King James... Translation, this is your reasonable service. That word for service is actually a worship service. It's a service unto the Lord. What is reasonable in light of what he has done for us? What is reasonable? Everything. Everything we have. It is not unreasonable. You know, when we were, those of us raised in the church, we went to a missionary Christian and Missionary Alliance. That means we had missionaries coming through every week. We had altar calls for missions all the time. I went up. That's how I became a missionary. And then I went to Christ for the nations. And if you weren't on a plane the day after graduation heading for the nations, you were just out of God's will. So we were on a plane, traveling, going out. And... I remember kneeling at the altar. Here, my Lord, send me. But don't send me to Africa. <laughs> Asia's not looking too good. <laughs> South America, mm, no hablo espanol. <laughs> yeah, here, my Lord, send me. 
I don't see any, any buts in that verse. Living sacrifice don't have choices. Living sacrifice, living sacrifice. You were crucified with Christ, but you're raised with him. Once you get raised up, you're his. Okay? We're his. We go. Oh, we sing. I'll go where you want me to go, just so long as it's night. (laughs) The barrio. The street church. Mexico. Maybe Cancun, but not Rio Bravo. Rio Bravo sounds real pretty. And it's scary. We're going to be out of there by dark. Someone from the valley, he grew up in McAllen. He heard where we were going. Really? He said, well, you go 100 miles beyond the border, and it's not so bad. And I'm like, well, no, we're going to be five miles from the border. It's okay. We went in November. God took care of us. God is good. He's going to watch over us. I do want to encourage you, however. I said I'd go anywhere. God did send us to England, jolly old England. It was lovely. It really was. Yes. It was great. But then guess what? Can I, can I cry for a minute or two? It only hurts when I sit down or get up. Um, <laughs> he sent us back. And that was really tough. He sent us back twice. First time after three months. We flunked Missions 101. We didn't really. We were there and serving God with our whole hearts, and he decided to send us back, and he said, go get a real job for about nine and a half years, and then go get another job for 12 years, and then be a pastor. But in the middle of all that, he allowed us to go for three three years, and it was like the best ever. It was awesome. Best people, best places. And from there, we got to go to other places. It was phenomenal. But God said, come back home. And we came back home, and one thing led to another, and it wasn't a real pretty situation. And so God finally released us to go somewhere else, and then he said, no, you go back into the middle of that place. And that was 19 years ago. And that was, for me dying to a lot of things that I wanted to see. But unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, you can't have new life. And so this living sacrifice called you and I, we don't have a choice. But when we do surrender and when we do obey and when we go where he wants us to go and when we do what he wants us to do, he gives us a joy that is so complete and so deep that there's nothing else that compares with that. And God can make you love the border of Mexico and God can make you love 
Africa, and God can make you love South America, and God can make you love. I've been to Asia, and before we left, my brother who lived in Asia and had a special burden on his heart for the people, he, he laid his hands on me, and he said, God, give, give him a love for the people. And before I left, there was a little lady that was serving, and she looked at us, and she said, thank you for coming. And I just bowed my head as a sign of courtesy and a sign of thanks. And God gave me just a supernatural love, and my heart melted for those people. So God may not give you choice number one, but what he gives you becomes choice number one. We just have to be yielded and obedient. And when he says, go to the upper room, you better go. You better run up the stairs to the upper room. And you better wait as long as it takes for the spirit to come and fill you. Because we are it, folks. We are it. We're not waiting for the next generation. We can't live off the blessing of the last generation. We are it. We are God's people on earth. This is the church. And I want to say one last thing. A lot of us have been burned by church. We've been burned by people. We've been burned by ministries. I was with a dear, dear friend who worked with a number of national ministries over the years, and we were reciting the ones that made it and the ones that didn't make it. And she's like, well, that one's not on my resume. That one's not on my resume. (laughs) But yet it was. And she's still alive, and she's still standing. Yeah, people make mistakes. Ministries make mistakes. Churches make mistakes because they're made out of people. People who maybe for a moment got their eyes off the fact that they were living sacrifices. I have never been so proud and honored to be serving anywhere than serving here. Because this is a church that is a family and you love each other and you love God's world. And you work together. And some people say 90% of the work gets done by 10% of the people. At this church, I've seen 100% of the people doing 100% of the work. And it's hard work, and it's not easy. And sometimes you do get your toes stepped on and your feelings hurt, but you get back up again. And you worship, and you say, God, take my mess and turn it into something for your glory. And that takes a lot of yielding and a lot of flexibility. And I'm so happy we went yesterday, Carrie. I was touched. Yeah, I felt it this morning, but I was touched. It was worth it. So we are the church. We're his temple. Let's keep that in mind, not only today, but tomorrow. Alex, would you come? Worship team, come. We're going to close today. Would you stand with me, church, temple of the Holy Spirit? Let's just sing that song again, the the new wine song. Because God is building his church. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And if you look across the last 2,000 years, yeah, there's times when things didn't look so good. 
but God has sent revival after revival, and he's restoring his church for this hour. So, Lord, we just come before you right now. And we say, it is an honor to be called to carry your presence. Lord, remind us today of who we are and whose we are. So, Lord, just make us those vessels that you would have us to be. Thank you that you take the discards, you take the dregs, you make beauty out of ashes. God, if anyone today here is experiencing pain or loss, I pray for healing to come in. I pray for it to flow like a river. And we thank you for garments of praise. We thank you that you clothe us beautifully. You cover all the stuff that we want to hide. And Lord, you make us better than we are on our own. So we yield ourselves to you right now. And ask the prayer team to come up. If you need prayer for any reason whatsoever, if you just need a fresh touch from God and who doesn't, our prayer team's going to be up here. Let's just worship him this morning.